Track Smack with Don Hall. Smackcast. Hey everyone, this is Mike Haig from Race Day San Antonio, and welcome back to another edition of Track Smack here on TrackSmackRadio.com. Today's show is called the Smackcast Edition, and I am going to give you an update on the Brickyard 400. This past weekend, the NASCAR Cup Series held the Big Machine Hand Sanitizer 400, powered by the Big Machine Records at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And it was Kevin Harvick who came away with the victory in overtime. The victory was his fourth of the season, his second consecutive, and third overall win at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. If you missed the race on television Sunday, Harvick and his number four Stuart Haas Racing 4 team climbed the front grandstand fence, which was reminiscent of the fence celebration his team owner, Indiana native and NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart did during his win in the race back in 2005 and again in 2007. Now on Sunday at Indy, Harvick led a race best 68 the 161 laps and he and Denny Hamlin put on a legitimate high-speed duel to decide the victory. Now it appeared that Denny Hamlin was going to run away with the victory but late in the race his number 11 Joe Gibbs racing Toyota suffered a blown tire which sent the number 11 car hard into the turn one wall with only seven laps remaining and that ended Hamlin's impressive run to the finish line. Now with Hamlin out of the race Harvick assumed the lead for the fourth time on the day. He ended up holding off the 48-year-old former series champion Chip Ganassi racing driver Matt Kenseth on a restart with two laps remaining. It was a great jump on the ensuing start which put Harvick back out front and ultimately he ended up getting a .743 second margin of victory at the finish line. Harvick's teammate Eric Amarola finished third and he was followed to the finish line by Brad Keselowski in fourth and Sunoco rookie Cole Custer took fifth. Now two-time Indianapolis winner and reigning NASCAR Series champion Kyle Busch, he finished 6th, Michael McDowell was 7th, rookie Tyler Reddick was 8th, Bubba Wallace took ninth, and Joey Logano rounded out the top 10. Now on today's SmackCast, we have driver interviews with Tyler Reddick, Bubba Wallace, Eric Amarola, Matt Kenseth, winning crew chief Rodney Childers, and race winner Kevin Harvick. Now first up, we're going to hear from Tyler Reddick. He started the race in 13th and ended up finishing 8th. Here's what Tyler had to say. Well, an extremely difficult day to say the least here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the Brickyard 400. We uh, we had a really good Cheddar Chevrolet out front, uh, and Clean Air could run some really good lap times. But unfortunately, as a lot of a lot of cars had issues with uh, dirty air, and that just really killed the balance of our car. So, uh, anytime we really got battling side by side or behind another car, it really made us tight, and that made it very difficult to pass and hold track position so we just had a very up and down day from the very get-go losing track position early on the first restart and it just never really came back but we never gave up we kept fighting uh we avoided the, having the, the big blowout on the right front able to put ourselves in 16th i think or something like that on the final restart some lock attrition was able to drive our cheddar scratch kitchen chevrolet to p8 to end the day so um just one of those days man you had to grind it out and uh, we got the good finish out of it. So we'll take a, and lick our wounds back to the shop and get ready for the next race. Now, next up, we're going to hear from the driver in the number 43 Chevrolet, Bubba Wallace. Bubba started the race in 17th and finished 9th. Here's what Bubba had to say. <sighs> well, I guess it's good to be uh, frustrated when you run 9th. Um, all in all, a good day for us, Victor Junction Chevrolet. It was fast. We just didn't have the 
the handling underneath us. So it was good down the straightaways, just uh, didn't want to turn very well, especially behind traffic. So one of the more frustrating days being behind cars and, and just trying to maneuver and stuff. So um, all in all, come out of there with a the top 10. That's good, it's good momentum going into Kentucky, another good track for us. So we'll uh, we'll continue the good vibes and keep staying on Jerry to produce good finishes for us. All right, next we're going to hear from third-place finisher Eric Amarola. Here's what Eric had to say. Okay, speaking of the top three, we got our third-place finisher, Eric Amarola, in the hot seat. Uh, Eric, wild uh, wild finish, wild race uh, for much of the day, especially that second half. Uh, while we wait for questions to be queued up, want to give us your advantage from the driver's seat of the 10, please. Yeah, we had such a fast Smithfield Ford Mustang, but we kept having left-front tires come apart. Uh, they would start shaking and vibrating so bad. I couldn't hardly see where I was going on the straightaway. So um, we kept having to pit for that, and we kept getting off of our pit sequence for our strategy. Um, so it got really difficult for Booga and those guys to get on any sort of uh, strategy with the race because we kept having to pit so often for left front tires coming apart. But, man, what a race car. We've been bringing such fast race cars to the racetrack every week. Uh, I'm so proud of this 10 team and everybody with this Smithfield Ford Mustang, we've been running so good and we've had uh, top five race cars and we've been finishing top five with them. And if you do that enough, uh, you'll find yourself in position to win races. So I'm just really thankful to be in this position, really blessed and uh, thankful for Smithfield support and, and our race team. Everybody at Stuart Haas Racing has been doing an incredible job. Great. Thank you, Eric. Uh, we'll open it up to questions now. We've got several uh, in the queue here, and we'll open up with uh, Bruce Martin. Go ahead, Bruce. Hey, Eric, uh, congratulations. Um, two in the top three for uh, Stewart House Racing. That's quite an accomplishment, especially in Indianapolis, especially considering Tony's history here. How big a boost is that for you and for the team to do that well at Indianapolis? Well, it's a, it's a really big boost. Uh, coming to Indy, it's a, it's a crown jewel event. You want to run good here. Um, it, it's such a prestigious race. So just Really proud of, of all the guys uh, at Stewart House Racing and girls, uh, everybody that makes this thing go round. Uh, they've been putting in some incredible hours. Uh, we've been going on, on multiple shift work uh, at the shop, and they're working, uh, you know, all hours of the day. And just to be able to keep up with this pace of race after race after race with midweek races, um, it's put a lot of strain on our organization. But uh, you've, we've seen the resilience and the grit of our race team and it's been incredible and let's not forget cole custer either he got in the top five so that's three in the top five that's pretty impressive how, how do you view how cole's come along yeah that's 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 great you know i think uh he's been learning the ropes and he's he's figured out that uh, the jump from xfinity to cup is a big jump and uh he's doing a great job he's learning he's bringing cars home in one piece and uh he's continuing to build and, and get better and then you know, he had a great run today, so really proud of Cole. Next up, we'll go to uh, Nathan Brown. Go ahead, Nathan. Thanks for taking some time with us. Um, I had a couple questions. First off, I mean, we've heard for years here that, you know, there's a racetrack. Um, doesn't always provide an exciting race. A lot of a lot going on in this race uh, here at the Brickyard today. Do you hope that um, everything that took place in these 160 laps maybe kind of quiets that pressure a little bit for the Motor Speedway and NASCAR? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just uh, such a historic racetrack. And the way it's laid out, um, it is it just happens to be extremely aero, aerodynamic. 
dependent. And so clean air is very important. It's very hard to pass, but I wouldn't trade racing here for anything in the world. Um, you know, I, I love the nostalgia of this racetrack. Um, you know, it's just uh, an incredible place and the amount of history uh, that's went across that yard of bricks and to be privileged enough to, to race here on, on these hollowed grounds is just a, a special thing. So uh, I love coming here. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, they call it the world capital of racing. And, uh, you know, Roger Penske is going to put a lot of effort into continuing to make this place immaculate and incredible. And uh, it's, it's a great place to race. We saw the Xfinity guys put a really exciting race together on the road course uh, yesterday, about 24 hours ago. Do you still hope that that maybe doesn't uh, push you guys on to testing out that road course? I know you said that you really love running on this oval and everything that's, uh, that's meant for racing for decades. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I hope that we never um, stop running the oval. I mean, I just think it's uh, it's one of these places that, regardless if it puts on the greatest race or not, um, it's historic. And, you know, I, I think um, it, it's it's just a special place. It's hard to explain when, when you don't grow up a racer and you don't aspire to, to come to, to race at Indy. Uh, but for me, you know, I grew up watching stock car racing and dirt sprint car racing. And I grew up watching Thursday Night Thunder and seen so many guys go from USAC racing and sprint car racing to racing at Indy. And it's something that I've always kept up with and always dreamed about getting the opportunity to race here. And now, um, you know, I, I get that opportunity. And, and today we uh, got really close to winning and, and being able to kiss those bricks. Next we'll go to Bob Pockris. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, Eric, is the tire deal, is that something that you guys would have a handle on if you had practice? And is it okay that, you know, that – you do have to have some sort of tire conservation. Uh, tire conservation is fine. Uh, tires coming apart and blowing is not ideal. Um, it hurts really, really bad when you hit that wall. Those 90-degree turns, um, there, there's, no, there's no real good angle to, uh, to hit the wall. So um, that's unfortunate. But, yeah, we, just, we kept having to get off sequence on our strategy. Uh, we never could get a strategy to play out because we couldn't run a fuel run. Uh, without the tires starting to come apart, we'd have to pit. Um, you know, we, we're we're in a situation right now to where we can't really afford, and we don't want to have a bad day. We don't want to blow tires and uh, finish 35th or, or 40th. Um, so we kept opting to pit every time they would start coming apart and vibrating really bad. And it just it is what it is. You know, we we made do, and things went our way at the end, uh, where we were able to uh, get our Smithfield Ford Mustang up front. Uh, like we were at the beginning of the race, and we had a lot of speed in our car, um, so we were able to to run top five like we like we deserve to. Uh, next, we'll go with uh, Mark Garrow from PRN. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, thank you. Congratulations, Eric, on another uh, strong run. Uh, how do you how do you feel now about the string of top fives and your positioning? Now it looks like you you've gained a lot of space on 16th, and will that allow you guys to be a more to be more aggressive, go after wins? It will. Um, you know, Booga and I just talked about it on pit road. Um, you know, we're, we're in a situation now to where, uh, we can gamble a little bit and we can be a little bit more aggressive and we can, we can, uh, not be so conservative and, and worried about points. Um, not that we're going to throw caution to the wind, but we can certainly be more aggressive and, and I'm excited about that. You know, I think, 
um, we've been trying to put a string of, of good runs together, and we've been able to do that. Uh, five top fives in a row is incredible. That's hard to do um, for anybody. So just really proud of, of my race team. Um, but I keep telling the guys, and I told them as soon as we took the checker flag, if we consistently run in the top five like this and continue to contend, uh, we're, we're going to put ourselves in position to win a race, and we need to capitalize on it. So I'm looking forward to these next few racetracks. They're my favorite. Um, you know, I've got top fives here five in a row at racetracks that I consider probably my worst racetracks uh, statistically. And now we're going to some of the racetracks that are probably my best racetracks um, statistically. So I'm looking forward to that. I was just going to say, is this the first time in your career that you're showing up now each week knowing in your heart of hearts that you have a chance to win? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I would say for most of my career, uh, I would show up to the racetrack and, and hope to have good runs. Uh, in 2018, about summertime, all the way through the playoffs, I showed up to the racetrack with a lot of confidence, feeling like we could win on any given weekend. And we had several opportunities that slipped away. Uh, but we were able to go to victory lane at Talladega. But we probably had four or five races that year that we could have won, and uh, and they got away from us. But in 2019, uh, quite frankly, we struggled. Uh, I, I, I could never find any sort of consistency uh, running up front. It was very sporadic. So I'm, uh, I'm thoroughly impressed with Booga and this whole uh, 10 team. We've been bringing really fast midfield Ford Mustangs to the racetrack, and uh, I feel like every weekend – we expect to run top fives now. And we have time for one more, and that'll go to Heather Williams. Go ahead, Heather. Um, yeah, you mentioned the tracks coming up. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Kentucky and how much difference it's going to be in the daytime and then also the quick turnaround to the all-star race at Bristol? Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, Kentucky is usually pretty hot in the summertime. So uh, Kentucky in the middle of the day in the heat of the summer is going to be challenging. Uh, the racetrack's probably going to be a lot slower, a lot slicker, um, but it'll be fun. Um, you know, I, I, I love those conditions. Um, the hotter, the better, to be honest. Uh, I feel like a lot of my training and stuff uh, pays off in those conditions. Um, you know, I don't feel like I'm falling out of the seat. I feel fresh. I feel ready to go um, at, you know, at the end of the race as, as good as I do at the beginning of the race. So um, I enjoy it. It, it. I know some people – dread racing in the in the hot of the uh, of the day but um i don't mind it so i'm ready for kentucky eric thanks so much for your time great run congratulations on third place finisher and uh, have a safe trip back home thank you guys all right the next interview today is from matt kinziff matt started 21st in his chevrolet and ended up finishing second here's what matt kinziff had to say now we'll be joined by matt kenseth our uh, runner-up finisher uh, waiting patiently watching the zoom here Thank you, Matt. If you have a question for Matt, uh, please uh, raise your hand in the uh, function button. We already got a number of them, and we'll go right to them. And we'll start off with Dustin Long. Go ahead, Dustin. Thank you. Uh, Matt, can you uh, just kind of talk about that uh, restart? Obviously, you're surrounded by three Stuart Haas racing cars. Um, really, at, at that point, I mean, is there, is there how, much, how much of a chance do you have at that point? Because aren't you as much dependent on the guy behind you as what you do on the restart? Yeah, I mean, those those cars were – all four of those cars were really, really fast. They just had a, a 
ton of raw speed. So, um, you know, Eric was, was uh, great. He, he was ready and he pushed me and I, I didn't do the best job taking off. I didn't want to get a penalty for jumping to start. So I kind of started going when he pushed me and it didn't look like Kevin was going. So when I hesitated that just that beat, it kind of got Kevin out there, but he still pushed me up there pretty good. Um, I just couldn't get going that fast. And then once we got through one and two, um, you know, we were pretty fast again, but just, just, just not fast enough. And, and really the restart before that was our chance. You know, we had on four new tires. Uh, I was lining up behind Danny, who was a control car, the leader. Uh, I had Kevin underneath me and was able to get around him and clear him uh, kind of in the second place. And Kevin just had so much speed. He pulled up behind me in the back stretch and just uh, pretty much pushed me down the whole straightaway. And when he got about three quarters of the way down, he just took a left and passed me. So I just, uh, there was just no way for me to defend that one. Uh, those guys were really, really fast. Um, but our McDonald's Chevy uh, handled handled great today. We were we were really fast. I think if we'd been in front, we would have been hard to beat. But I just didn't have enough speed to uh, get around Kevin. And how much of a step forward is this? You know, you were talking earlier today to us about uh, trying to pick things up for this group. Um, you yeah. know, how you feel about today? You know, I certainly wasn't flawless today. I could have done a little bit better on uh, you know a couple of those restarts, particularly the last one. Um, but I, but I feel a lot more comfortable than than I have been for sure. And I, I think really, you know, Pocono was a big step forward for us. It was the first time, I mean, our, our finishes don't look spectacular. They're like 11th and 12th or something, but we've been finishing 20th and 25th. So um, obviously it's a much better car, much better team than that. Uh, so I feel like we hit on some stuff at Pocono that really seemed to work for me and, and directionally seemed to be better. And uh, the car drove uh, pretty good here the, the whole entire day too. So I'm hoping we can just carry that momentum um, into Kentucky and then uh, just, just keep moving forward to that and hopefully uh hopefully getting to the front like we did today and, and running up front where this team belongs next question we'll go for go to nathan brown go ahead nathan there matt thanks thanks for taking some time you've been a part of a lot of brickyard 400s um a lot of action out there on the track really exciting ending but um do you think that this race here today maybe has done enough to put to bed the story of moving this race from the oval to the road course at least for another year well, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, I was on here listening to Eric um, for a while, and I thought he, he said it pretty good. I mean, I think it's one of those racetracks that we need to race that as long as we can. I mean, it's arguably the most famous speedway in the world or one of them. And uh, to be able to race on the oval um, you know, with, with the cup cars, which is the, you know, highest form of stock car racing in the world, and, and the Indy cars race here, and I think that we should be on the big track as well. Now, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that it would be bad to maybe – test the, or the road course and look into it and maybe do a second race on a road course kind of like the IndyCars did this week. Uh, but I, I really do think that the Brickyard 400, you know, has a lot of kind of prestige uh, similar to, you know, I know it's not the Southern race, but similar to like the Southern 500 um, races like that. I think there's a few of those races that um, you sure would hate to see disappear. Next up, we'll go to uh, Zach Sterniello. Go ahead, Zach. Matt, you mentioned how big of a weekend or at least important Pocono was last week. What was it that you feel like you guys were able to hit on um, that either was able to translate to Indy or at least whether it's momentum or whatever, what can you carry forward here? Well, I just, I mean, not really going to give you particulars, obviously, but I think just, you know, not having a lot of practice and then you run a race at a track and you move on to the next track. A lot of stuff we do with race cars is, is track specific. So we're just trying to really find those things that maybe are not so much track specific and try to find some trends in what we were uh, either doing or not doing and um, try to get everything moving, moving kind of in the right direction. So I just felt like we, we had a lot of positives there. I just felt like I had a much better feel for the car. Um, I felt like we were able to make some adjustments, uh, move toward the front at times. Uh, but, you know, Pocono and India are, are 
are really different racetracks too. So, um, you know, the best adjustment you can make to these cars, uh, particularly this rules package is, is track position. And, uh, we're able to, you know, we've been starting 20th every week with no practice and haven't been in some of these tracks in a couple of years. It's just been hard to get going. So, uh, these last couple of weeks, um, you know, we've had great strategy, good pit stops, and been able to get some some clean air to kind of dissect the car and make some changes and and uh, try to get it more to um, to my to my liking or kind of what we're looking for. And on that note, I mean, with the lack of practice, how how do you feel like the team is adjusting to you and you adjusting to the team through these last handful of races now, where you feel like you're able to um, where the team is able to set the car better for your liking. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's a little better. They're probably pretty darn disappointed the first couple of months. So, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks obviously have been have been better. Like, you know, last week wasn't a home run by any means, but it certainly was a you know, one of the engineers said it was kind of a base hit. You know, we kind of kind of got rolling a little bit. So, um, you know, this was certainly a, a great day for us, and, and hopefully we can build on it and go have another good run next week. Uh, next up, we'll take a question from Jerry Jordan. Go ahead, Jerry. Matt, you've been around uh, long enough that – you remember when we ran this track in July in the hot part of the summer. Um, this being a 4th of July weekend, the patriotic themes, everything that was going on here, how how different is that than what we used to run? And do you, do you like the fact that it is in the heat of the summer and throw in the, the patriotic aspect of that for going forward when you talk about the history of, uh, of, of the Brickyard? Well, it doesn't um... – I don't know that it really matters to me necessarily, you know, when we run it, um, to be honest, it's been such a, you know, strange year, obviously no, no fans and media and stuff at the racetrack and, uh, they all kind of blur together. I just, I had to think about it when I realized yesterday it was a force. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I heard Eric talking about that. He, he's a little bit full of it. Um, nobody likes to melt in a race car. Um, some people probably hate it more than others, uh, but nobody really likes melting in a race car. So some of these day races, uh, um, you know, certainly tonight it got real late and it got pretty dark and it wasn't that hot, but certainly there's some coming up that have, uh, uh the potential to be pretty hot, Kentucky and Texas, some of, some of those places. So, um, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me really what time of year we come here. I did really always enjoy, um, the weekends here when you had IRP Friday night, Saturday night, or Thursday, Friday for a while, but Friday, Saturday, watch the, the trucks and the Xfinity cars and then uh, over at IRP and then watch the, the cup cars here, be in the cup race here. That was always, um, that was always really fun. I guess that used to be in August or something. And that was a, a weekend that I was looking forward to. Cole Kusumata, you got a question, Cole? <laughs> Sir, thank you. Hey, congrats, Matt, on that runner up finish. Uh, Thanks. Rough go at it since the first race back at, at uh, Darlington. So how much confidence does this race give you going forward to Kentucky, a place you've won, and I guess the rest of the season as a whole? Well, certainly whenever you, you run, you you build more confidence, you know, not just for myself, but for the team and, and really everybody involved. So, um, you know, and running bad has opposite effects. So certainly, um, you know, we had a good day when we started off at Darlington. I was super sloppy and rusty, and we still finished 10th. And then uh, it's kind of downhill from there. We went back and were a little faster, and I hit the wall and got a bad finish and just kind of – Nothing was really going very well, and uh, like I said, we had a couple of decent races last weekend with really no mistakes, no problems, no issues, um, and, and got you know decent finishes. And then uh, today we were able to uh, be competitive, run up front. Uh, Chad had great calls, really, really good calls. Um, gave me everything I needed to, to win the race, and I'm a little disappointed I couldn't get it done. Honestly, we had the best tires and gave me good track position. I just couldn't um, couldn't quite get the four car, but um, but yeah, that certainly uh, when you run well, it builds confidence. But you have to. Uh, go out and do it each and every week and we have time for one more and uh we'll go with a uh, mark arrow from prn go ahead mark okay just playing off that last question matt you've won so many races you've won a championship 
but is confidence still something you need? Is it still something that's that's important to any driver? <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I mean, it's easy for anybody to get you know kind of kind of beat up. So I mean, I think you try to you know you try to keep it in perspective, and you go try to do better every week, and try to try to do the best job you can do at controlling the things that are in your control, and and kind of not worry about the rest. So um, yeah, but certainly, I mean, you have all those weeks when you're running the twenties with a team that we're we know is capable of running like we ran today. I mean, that's, um, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of tough on your, your ego or confidence or whatever, even, even walking through the shop, you know, you're like thinking to yourself, I wonder they're whispering like, man, we really got the short straw when we got this replacement driver. So, I mean, uh, certainly when you're, when you're run bad, you never feel good about it. When you run better, uh, certainly builds confidence and, um, kind of, kind of shows us all as a group that we can do it. Matt, thank you for your patience and, and right, waiting no for problem. us to start. And uh, congrats on the runner-up finish, bud. All Have right. A great night. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That was Matt Kenseth. Now, next up, we're going to hear from winning crew chief Rodney Childers. Here's what Rodney had to say. Okay. Once again, we are, for the second consecutive week, we are joined by Rodney Childers, uh, who doesn't have to prepare for a race the next day, which is nice. You can enjoy the evening. Uh, Rodney, we have a number of questions already in the queue, so we'll get right to them. And we'll start off with Jim Otter. Go ahead, Jim. A uh, couple questions. First, uh, your decision to pit Kevin right before the competition caution, was that your plan uh, from the get-go, and how did it dictate your strategy for the rest of the race? Yeah, last night I was sleeping really good, and then at 3.02 I woke up, and my brain said we're going to pit a lap before the competition caution comes out. And um, I went to the restroom, and then I got my computer out, and I worked for an hour and a half. <laughs> and then at uh, about six o'clock i decided to turn my computer back off and go back to sleep for about an hour but uh something woke me up in the middle of the night to tell me that i need to bid on lap 11 and try to get uh control of the race early and uh second question we all heard you uh and kevin reiterated that warning him late in the race that uh, the 11 was uh cording their tires and to push him hard uh, how was your situation? How did you feel your guys' tires and situation was during the race? Yeah, our tires did pretty good. Uh, we never had any issues with ours. Um, you know, thankfully, um, you know, you never know coming to some of these places. You got a different tire and a green racetrack. But we knew going into it, we tried to play it pretty safe. We had backed our stuff down a little bit. And uh, just, you know, thinking that it was going to be worse. Uh, but you know, anytime you back that stuff down, it hurts the front turn at the same time. And, you know, there was times during the race that they had a little bit better front turn than us. So, um, you know, it just depends on how the situation plays out at the end of the race, which way is going to be better. And it just so happened that it, uh, you know, we were out there a long time on tires there at the end and, and uh, having it back down was the, was the way to go. Next up, we'll take Jeff Gluck. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, Rodney, you know, after uh, Denny crashes out, Gabe Hart's walking back to the garage and some of your guys gave him a, a fist bump. And, you know, later Denny talked about how, how much he enjoys competing against you guys. And it sounded like stuff that, you know, Kyle and Adam Stevens have said in the past about competing against your group. They like racing against you guys. Where, where does that respect level come from? I'm sure there's teams out there in the past that you've raced against that you don't like. Why, why do people like competing against you with that respect level? Well, I think you know, I think the biggest thing is we try to treat people the right way. Um, you know, we we work together. Um, you know, I think anybody would say that if we're working beside them in a garage, a close garage, 
uh, we mind our own business and uh, we try to do what's best for us and, and then we get that same respect back and uh, we've always had that with a lot of guys here in the garage but you know my respect is, is mainly with Gay Park uh, you know I've known Gay Park since 1995 uh, racing go-karts and you know his engine builder was my engine builder we've had a, a lot of respect for each other over the years and, uh, you know, I've been waiting for this day for him to get his, his shot for a long time. You know, they, they kept pushing him around on these super late models and, and different things and Xfinity series and all. And I knew all along if somebody would ever give him the chance and, and uh, believe in him that, that he would do great things. And that's, re that's really what he's done. You know, I think Denny believes in him and his guys believe in him. And um, they, they got a great group right now, just like we've got. And, um, but overall, you know, it's all about team members. It's all about people. And, uh, we have, a we have a lot of good people and they have a lot of good people. Uh, you know, half of his pit crew used to be, uh, on my pit crew before, uh, like at Everham and different things, or some of them at Waltrip. Uh, so, you know, you treat people like you want to be treated. And, and I always tried to do that. And those, those guys remember that and, and, uh, they treat us back the same way. Thanks. We'll take a question from Nathan Brown. Go ahead, Nathan. Rodney, um, you guys win here back to back years now. Um, a lot of a lot of excitement, and a lot of questions around this race and this race weekend. It changed up a little bit this year. What would you like to see? I know you guys weren't able to experience the whole thing with the Indy cars and the Xfinity cars this year, but what would you like to see um, IMS and, and Roger Penske do and continue to do with this uh, big race weekend here uh, in years to come? funny you brought up Roger um, you know earlier today uh, I was thinking to myself I haven't missed the driver's meetings at all any week and then this week I missed the driver's meeting because I really wanted to hear RP get up there and speak um, you know he, he's already made big changes here you can go in the restrooms and different places throughout the garage the floors are painted the walls are painted everything is pristine the little rollers that you wash your hands with uh, that have been there for 25 years all that stuff's gone uh, he's already made a huge impact and he always will, you know, no matter if it's a, a racetrack, a race team, a car dealership, uh, or what it is, he's going to make a huge impact. And, you know, like you said, I didn't get to, to be here yesterday and to, to see the Indy car race. Uh, I didn't get to watch the Indy car race. I did get to see some of the Xfinity race and, um, you know, that, that looked like it, it went well, you know, when I don't think anybody knew how it was going to go and, and um, it was a great race. Those guys put on a great show at the end of it. And honestly, I think it's a good mixture to, to have some road course racing on Saturday and have some oval racing on Sunday and give everybody a, a different perspective of what we do. And, um, you know, if you were to ask me if I wanted to road course race here, I, I don't. You know, I think the Brickyard 400 means way more to me than just making it into a road course. Um, you know, could we have a road course race here and the, the Brickyard 400? Yeah, maybe one day. Uh, but, you know, the thing for me is the, the history of the Brickyard 400, uh, you know, me sitting on the couch and watching certain people win this thing. And uh, I was just a, I was a fan like anybody else. You know, I cried when Jeff Gordon won the Brickyard 400 and uh, I cried when, when uh, Tony Stewart won it. So it is what it is. You know, we all want to, we all want to be here. And, and that's really you know, what it's about is, is the heart and the determination to get here one day and to win this race. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't want to see the, the 400 change in, in any way.
another one of those races where um, was passing was was really big when you were able to find it. And I know Kevin had a couple of really key passes in this race when he was able to take advantage of those situations. What do you feel like led to him maybe finding some of those opportunities and taking advantage of it when it's really tough to come by here at this track? Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, and I think that's something that'll get brought up when, when you talk about this race is, um, you know, can you pass or can you not? Um, you, you know, you have to make those moves on the restarts when everybody's jumbled up and you have to get your track position when you can, whether it's on pit road or on a restart. Um, so, you know, he, he's, he's done a great job at that stuff. I mean, you look back at last year and it almost took us a little while to start figuring out these restarts and how important they were and how aggressive you had to be. And, and he's, uh, he's shown that he can do it, you know, just like the rest of them. And, uh, today he made some bold moves that, that worked for us and was able to uh, come out on top. Thanks. We'll take a question from Jordan Bianchi. Go ahead, Jordan. Hey, Rodney. I'm wondering, we saw tire failures today, you know, different organizations, different manufacturers. Was there one common denominator from your perspective of why these failures were happening? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just what we talked about with the racing. Um, you know, from the last time we were here last year, uh, there's been nothing raced on the oval. Um, you know, since we are here, um, you know, normally every year when we get here, um, you have the Indy cars here for a month straight, putting rubber down almost every single day. Uh, you have those guys running 500 miles in the Indy 500. You have the Xfinity cars on track and their practice and our practice and their qualifying, our qualifying. Uh, you didn't have any of that. And, you know, it just, it takes a, a certain amount of time to put, put rubber down. And, uh, we knew got a little noise in the background uh we knew it was gonna be hard on tires and we kind of backed ours down uh, a little bit to try to save the save the you know from a camera standpoint we tried to back it down and to save our tires and um you know that just ended up working out for us not to say that that was the right thing or the wrong thing but uh we just tried to do our best and, and guess at it and and hope uh, that we did the right thing Next, we'll take a question from Dustin Long. Go ahead, Dustin. Uh, Rodney, um, can you tell, you tell me what happened with uh, pitting a lap after uh, Hamlin there with about 35, 40 laps to go? And did you feel like, even with all those laps to go, that that might have cost you guys the race at that point? Yeah, I mean, you know how things go. It, it, things aren't ever going to go perfect. You, to win big races, you need them to go perfect. And, and that – that two lap stint right there didn't go perfect. Um, you know, getting into turn three, I called him the pit road. Well, at the same time, the spotter that's in turn three was talking on top of me. Kevin never heard me. Um, so there was some, some miscommunication there for about a half a lap on, on, uh, what we were doing. He couldn't hear me because, uh, you know, us talking on top of each other. And then we came down pit road and, uh, you know, our pit crew has been absolutely incredible all year. And, uh, the front changer, his button switched on his gun during the during the middle of his pattern, and the rear guy, his button switched on his gun in the middle of the pattern, uh, which is odd. You know, I feel like the guns have got a lot better, and and we haven't really had any issues. But just so happens on the money the money stop of the uh, Brickyard 400, you know, both buttons switched and didn't have a didn't have a very good stop, and just a lot of things that didn't go our way in in those couple laps. Were you, uh, were you calling him in at that point because you were in the window or were you calling him in because you heard that the 11 was going to come in? Were you responding or were you trying to dictate and when, when you couldn't get that message through? Yeah, with us being side by side, we were trying to play cat and mouse a little bit. You know, their team wasn't down, it wasn't up on the wall. Our team wasn't up on the wall. I really wanted to go another lap, um, 
but we could have made it from that standpoint on fuel. And, um, you know, they were just going to try to push it a little bit harder than we did. I wanted to leave a lap for green-white checker if we had one. And, um, you know, it, that part that part just didn't, didn't work out that great. Uh, but, you know, we tried, to, we tried to race each other all day, and uh, that part just didn't work out for us. So we'll take our final question from Davey Siegel. Go ahead, Davey. Rodney, congrats on the victory. I believe this was win number 30 for you and Kevin. I was curious what that milestone meant to you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's huge. Um, you know, we've been able to do some special things together and um, to win 30 races together in, in, what, six and a half years, seven years. I don't even know what it is anymore. It's blown by, but um, 30 races is huge. And, uh, you know, to have, I think, now I have 33 wins and 34 poles. It's it's pretty crazy, and two Brickyard 400s back to back, and he's got three of them. And um, you know we love racing together, but it's really about everybody else on the team. Uh, everybody back at the shop that builds those great cars, uh, our shop guys, our road crew, our pit crew. Everybody's just firing on all cylinders right now, and um, it means a, it means a lot to win together, not just for for me and Kevin. Ronnie, thanks so much for the time. Congratulations on another win, another big win for your number four team. And uh, safe travels home, and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. And finally, we're going to listen to an interview with race winner Kevin Harvick. Here's what Kevin had to say. All right. We are now joined by our race winner, three-time Brickyard champion Kevin Harvick. Several questions already in the queue, and we'll go right to them. Starting off with Jordan Bianchi. Go ahead, Jordan. Thanks, Kevin. I heard you on the radio as soon as when Denny Hamlin crashed, you immediately expressed. Let's take West 10th Street Speedway, and I'm 465 South. In 900 feet, turn left on Shaw Drive. Sorry. <laughs> All good. <laughs> when you see Denny Hamlin crash like that, um, does your concern immediately go, or does your thoughts immediately go to his well being? Are you thinking, you know what, we've got an opportunity to win this race? Well, I went from opportunity to win the race to immediately asking if he was okay, you know, because when you see fire and a hit like that, you know, that, that's, that's the a number one concern just to make sure that, that he's okay, because that was a, that was a huge hit. Um, we all want to win, but you know, in the, at the end of the day, we all want to walk out of here with everybody healthy. So, um, you know, I was glad, glad for them to, to tell me that, that he got out of the car and just to, you know, just, this is, this is the soft wall birth of the soft walls. And, and I think, you know, when you, when you see a hit like that, you're reminded of, you know, how big of an impact that, that soft walls have, have had on our sport as, as you, as they tell me he gets out of the car. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's the biggest concern is, is uh, everybody's health. Next up, we'll take a question from Bob Hawkers. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, Kevin, I think you're at 22 playoff points and you have a pretty good lead right now in the regular season points. Uh, did you start the season with a target of a number of playoff points you wanted? And if so, are you close to it? I hadn't even looked. Um, I, I didn't. I hadn't had a goal. You know, our, our goal is is to be competitive on a weekly basis, and, and usually that stuff will will take care of itself. So, look, you know, this this whole thing right now, and and really, on a, even on a normal season, our season is so long, and there's so many things that are going on. It really just comes down to a you know just kind of a week to week sort of situation of of what you focus on and what you think about, just because. You know, you get too far ahead, you just you, you can't. Um, you know, you just start jumbling thoughts together. So um, I know if we keep winning, the, the points will keep adding up, and and when it comes to playoff time, th those will be very valuable. But right now, everything's 
you know, everything's going so well and, and we've got momentum and, and you want to win as many races as you can while that, while you've got that, um, that wave of momentum on your side. Next up, we'll take uh, Jim Mutter. Go ahead, Jim. Congrats, Kevin. I know, uh, Rodney, you talked about how, and, and we all heard how Rodney had warned you about that the 11 had been courting tires and to push him hard. But I was just wondering from your, from your guys and were you guys looking good most of the race? Yeah, we had great tire wear today. Our, our car was, uh, you know, the cam, they hit the cambers and everything right on. So I was able to, you know, to really push my car hard, um, you know, as hard as I could push it. Uh, we, we still never got the handling 100% right. I was able to push him a little bit harder that last run than I had, had been before. I was able to stay a little bit closer. And, you know, the, with the sun going down, the pace really picked up. So, you know, it's, um, you know, the corner speed started to pick up and, and lap time started to pick up as well. So uh, we, knew it, we knew they were close on, on, on tire wear. Next up, we'll take a question from Dustin Long. Hey, Dustin. Thank you. Um, Kevin, uh, on the restart, the last restart there, where you've got uh, Cole behind you and Eric behind uh, Matt, uh, with, with how you guys had them surrounded, I mean, is it, uh, you know, as long as you don't do anything wrong, that, that uh, you should be the one going off and sailing off into the distance in turn one, or can you talk me through that? Well, Cole got, Cole got a really good restart, was able to get attached to my bumper, and, and being on the front row right there, especially late in the race, everybody's going to be – uh, pushing as hard as they can to try to get themselves in position to, um, you know, to have the best restart they can. Cole had a great restart and was able to get attached to my bumper. And really, you know, we were clear before we got to turn one. So, um, you know, at that point, you know, you've got clean air and those guys were side by side and we were able to, to break away right there. But, um, you know, definitely Cole was a huge part of, of uh, helping us win this race at the end. And just, you know, what does it mean to have won this back-to-back and to have won this a, a third time? Uh, obviously, different situations than the, your previous experiences here, but just what, what's this like yeah. feeling? Yeah. Well, I can tell you today I was as, as excited uh, as, I've, as I've been of, of any of the races that we've won because, you know, look, for, for me, I, I think you guys have all heard me talk about this. This is, this is like living out your childhood dream, being able to race here and win here. Uh, I know how many times we've had really fast cars here and, and come out on the other side of this and now to win it back to back at, at the Brickyard and, and have won it three times is, is something that is a little bit surreal, to be honest with you, because I just I kind of have to just laugh about it and, um, you know, think back to all of those times that you that you told somebody you were going to, you know, go win the Indy 500 and race Indy cars or whatever the case may be. And now you're here in a stock car and, you know, 20 years into your career and, and, and still going strong. So it's, um, it's just a, it's a great place to, to come to. It's a great place to race and, and something that I look forward to every year. Next we'll go to Nathan Brown. Go ahead, Nathan. A couple of questions for you, Matt. Um, you're the one of few guys that was really able to make some, some big impactful passes on the track here today. And we don't always see that from guys here in the breakyard 400 at IMS. Um, a couple of passes maybe take me through them and, and what allowed you to, to make those that uh, made a big difference in today's race. I'm sorry. I thought that was. I thought Matt was still on there. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kevin. What was your question? Sure. I heard Matt. Um, I started not paying attention. No, no, that's my fault. Um, I was. I was asking. You, you made a couple of really big passes there on on track today, and we don't always see that here with the stock cars at, at IMS. What kind of take me through? What allowed you to make some of the really big passes out there that made a big difference today? Yeah. Well, I had a. You know, I had a really fast car. Um, you know, on the restarts and, and had to, you know, that's always kind of been our, kind of our strategy was to take advantage of, of the restarts and do everything we could to get track position when we could. 
um, you know, we had some, some big moments and had to make some big moves in order to, to try to get control of the race. And, you know, if you, if you let it get strung out and, and it just becomes harder at that particular time. So, yeah, definitely, definitely we're able to, to make some, some big moves and, and um, have them work out. And, and really that's kind of the position that we're in. And, you know, that's kind of the position that you put yourself in every time you come here, you want to be able to uh, race for a win and, um, you know, it's the brickyard. So you take chances and you try to put yourself in position. They, they called a good race. Uh, we had one little hiccup there where they, they were, the spotter was talking over Rodney and I didn't pit when Denny pitted and came out behind him. But, uh, in the end, we just kept grinding away and, and wound up in victory lane. I imagine this track, um, just kind of in those moments that you're able to make those big passes, just kind of puts an emphasis on how important are when you get that opportunity and to make sure that you are able to take advantage of them when you get them yeah for sure i mean you you, you definitely you know it's the it's the strategy is don't screw up and lose three or four spots try to maintain or gain one or two and, and when you're racing for the lead and there's one or two guys in front of you you know those are the those are the moments that make or break the race because you know a lot of times those things multiply um you know if you don't get two and you lose momentum and you lose two more and then it just kind of seems to snowball from there. So if you can, if you can leapfrog a couple of them and get yourself, um, you know, a little further ahead of the game, it just, you know, it's progression in the in the right direction because it can go the other way quick. Next up, we'll take a question from Jeff Clough. Go ahead, Jeff. Kevin, you know, after after uh, Denny's crash, he was talking about, uh, you know, how much he enjoys uh, racing with you guys, and it, it kind of echoed some comments that I I feel like Kyle Busch and others have made in the past about how they enjoy racing against your team. There's a high level of respect there. Um, what is it about your group that people enjoy competing against you and racing against you? Yeah, well, I think they know that, that um, well, first they know our cars are fast and, and we're competitive on a, on a week-to-week basis. And I think the second thing is, you know, it's it's when you're racing with Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, you know that you've got to be on top of your game because uh, the guys that are sitting on top of their pit boxes, um, they're going to call a good race. Uh, you have to drive a good race, and it just brings out it brings out the A game in, in your mind, and it brings out that same game uh, in, in the guys that are sitting on the pit box. And, and it just, you know, you, you want to race the best, and, you know, those guys are, are two of the best. And, and when you can race them head-to-head and, and, you know, go back and forth like, like Denny and, and myself have the last few weeks and Kyle in the past, I mean, those are things that, that, um, that you show up to do, right? You, you want to race against the, the best guys and, and, you know, that's what's at this level. And, and you know, I think when, when, you got, when you wind up racing against guys like that on a week-to-week basis and everybody's racing hard and, and respects each other and um, especially the older that we, that we get, I think we, we realize that, um, you know, the things that we're doing are, you know, on the, on the tail end of, 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 uh, of our career and, and we're enjoying those types of things, but you know, you're still at the, at the top of the game with, with, um, with those guys. And, and it's just, um, you know, it's just a lot of respect because it's, it's a very similar group to both those groups are very similar to our group, uh, crew chiefs that are, that are racers and, and, you know, team guys that have been together for a long time. And I know Denny's group hasn't been together, but you know, with, with the way that they communicate and the things that they do, you would think that they have, and they've been really successful. So, um, you know, it's just enjoyable to race against really competitive guys, and especially when you do it all the time. Next up, we'll take Kelly Crandall. Uh, Kelly? 
Thank you. Uh, Kevin, back in 2018, you said that at that point, winning was like a game to become a game because you had scored eight wins that year, all the playoff points. Since 2018, you've won 16 races now, including today. What is there any way to describe what it's like to perform at a level like this when it comes to stage points, bonus points, and the win that this team has had, the way it's performed the last couple of years? Yeah, well, you know, I think – there's a lot of things that, that come into play there and, and you have a manufacturer change uh, that's in the middle of that. Um, but in the end, I think when, when you look at the, the root of the equation, it, it's the, it's the team, right? It's the crew chief and the driver that have been together, the engineer that, that um, you know, we had one engineer move on, but we had the same engineer with Dax and, and, you know, you, you keep adding little pieces, uh, you know, to keep making that puzzle. Uh, come together and fit together well, but experience plays a plays a big role in this. And and I think, you know, for for us, uh, when we come to the racetrack, you have to be. I know I have to be prepared because I know every guy on my team is going to be prepared and has done everything that they can during that week um, leading up to that race to do 100% of their job. And you know, if you're not prepared, you've let every person down because that's the type of team. That, that we've been uh, fortunate to put together over the last seven years. And, and you know, everybody at Stuart Haas Racing allowed us to do that from the beginning. And it's just, it keeps progressing. And, and you know, you keep uh, getting more and more details out of things uh, because you keep uh, the people together. And, and everybody believes in what I just said, that if you don't do 100% of your job during the week, you have let the rest of the team down because they have. Next, we'll take a question from Jerry Jordan. Go ahead, Jerry. Kevin, a non-racing question, but coming here this weekend, uh, Jimmy, obviously, the news of his uh, coronavirus situation. Um, what is your concern level overall for something like that, for, for dealing with not you know, getting the virus? And also, we learned that uh, Hendrick has a backup plan. Their, their whole Algar coming up and, and being the backup driver in place in a whole uh, system. Does Stuart Haas have a similar type backup uh, plan for, for if one of the drivers does come down with it? Yeah, we've had a backup plan since since day one. I think that was, you know, one of the things that, that NASCAR, um, you know, talked about from the very beginning, you know, and, you know, how far you get to the racetrack and, and the time frame, uh, how early you get to the racetrack and the time frame that is needed. But, yeah, I think everybody, everybody for the most part, I would assume, has a backup plan. I know we do. And, you know, I think, um, gosh, I mean, it's just uh, you do everything that you can do and, and – you know, with, um, with kids and, and, you know, you still have to, you still have to function. Right. So, uh, for, for us, um, you know, we, we've tried to, I mean, I can't, we've, we've not been out to eat. We've not been to the grocery store. Um, you know, we, we do as much as we can at home. I don't know what I'd do if, if we didn't have kids because, um, really, you know, they, they keep me, they keep me sane during the week and, and trying to keep them busy. Uh, Keelan's go-kart career is, has been, has been fun. And, and, you know, we've gone out and got our own stuff and, and tried to compartmentalize everything that we have to just kind of be in our own little bubble, uh, when, when we do that. And, and that's, that's really about it. And, and you know, I fly up by myself, I sit in a motorhome by myself and, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all, you know, short lived uh, one day for the most part, unless we're racing two races, but, yeah, it's tough because if you let your if you let your guard down, you know you never you don't know, and and you know for the most part you're walking around wearing a mask, and and ninety percent of the people around you outside of this bubble on a on a normal day are not, 
and that's the unfortunate part is is you have you know something as simple as wearing a mask and and you know and, and when you're around people that could be uh, beneficial for all of us so yeah it's tough and and you know jimmy's situation i mean that it's terrible um you know i think we all are aware that it could be us and, and you just never know um so yeah you just you do the best that you can and, and hope that it works out thank you buddy we have time for a couple more. We'll take the next one. Jim Aiello. Hey, Kevin. Congrats. I just wanted to ask, uh, I'm never disappointed you get a win, but I was just curious. Did you think you had enough to, to overtake Danny at the end there if the tire hadn't blown? And, and were you kind of looking forward to that? A little bit, maybe a shootout at the end. No, we, we weren't going to get by him, you know, unless um, unless he made a huge mistake. And, you know, obviously that tire was, was wearing out. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just at that point, his car was, you know, we were we were pretty – pretty even and the longer that we went his car was a little bit better than mine on the on the long run um you know the restarts were you know for, for me were our strong point so we would have needed a caution i, I we weren't going to get by him under green and we'll take our final question from lee spencer Go ahead, lee. kevin to to kind of follow up on on that last question having a formidable opponent like hamlin i mean does it just make you want to come to track and, and just kind of kick ass I mean does it put you in a more competitive mode maybe than you normally would be because of the level that you two are both competing at right now yeah it, it's interesting for sure and, and you know when when we were you know we kind of went back and forth there I was leading and then he was leading and you know then he has trouble but um, you know you have to kind of smile about it because it's it's two teams performing at a tremendously high level right now and and it has cycled around to the two of us for several weeks now and and you know, I think as, as you look at that, it's, it's, um, it definitely makes it fun. And, you know, you, you want to, you want to have the, you want to have the upper hand on, on the, on the, you know, who, who finishes in front of who ratio at this point. So, um, especially because, you know, if that's the guy that you're racing and the team that you're racing, you want to, you want to at least stay even par. So, you know, those guys are good. They're doing a great job. And, and obviously, uh, you know, leading the charge at Joe Gibbs and our guys are doing the same, you know, on days, uh, when when you're you think you're out of it and, and you keep grinding and, and all of a sudden you you wind up in victory lane, you know those are the days that you just um, you smile because you know that everybody did their job and kept yourself in the game. Thank you, Kevin. Have a great yep. night. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Now for a full report of this race, along with photos, be sure and check out my website, racedaysa.com. Now the next race on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule will be the Quaker State 400, presented by Walmart. That race will be held on Sunday, July 12th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time at Kentucky Speedway. It will be a 267-lap, 400.5-mile race. You can watch that race on FS1 or listen to it on the Performance Radio Network. Now, that about does it for today's SmackCast. Be sure and check back later in the week here on TrackSmackRadio.com, where Don Hall and I will return with another TrackSmack show. In the meantime, have a great week. See you soon. Thank you for tuning in to TrackSmack SmackCast. Check out more at TrackSmackRadio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.